to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. Hope people had a great weekend, and let's dive in here. A great deal of education things going on, the continuing collapse per usual, lots of different signs that this is continuing to happen, and more jab-related stuff to bring up also, which, again, is becoming harder and harder to hide, in particular among K-12 students who are feeling the ill effects of this, along, of course, with university students and, frankly, anybody who engaged in this. We even had recently a news anchor from Tulsa, Oklahoma, who started to have the beginning effects of a stroke, so to speak, on air. And a lot of people caught this and immediately started to comment on it. And, of course, the video exists and it's bouncing around. So. This is just one of those things that's going to become remarkably difficult to hide. And we know that schools, K-12, and university settings are going to do whatever they have to do to try to hide this. And unfortunately, um, it's just going to become a very visible phenomenon that's continuing to happen. Again, this has been going on since the introduction of these jabs, and it's not going to go away. But first, let me discuss here the ongoing collapse that is American education. Uh, this was tossed to me by a listener. Very interesting because, again, this is another patch job on a failing system. And they can continue with these patch jobs all they'd like, but it's not going to fix the problem. Uh, this comes from the Epoch Times, and it's titled, Biden Administration Provides $100 Million for Apprenticeships to Fill Teaching Workforce Gaps. This was from September 3rd. It says the following, the Biden administration this week announced over $100 million in grants to address school staff shortages and high turnover rates by lifting pay and funding teacher apprenticeships from the $1.9 trillion American Rescue Plan. As the 2022-2023 school year begins, schools in the United States are struggling to fill vacancies for teachers and other school staff, according to the Biden administration. Now, before I continue, again, you've heard me say you can't throw money at this problem. All you're doing is throwing money into a dumpster fire. And what happens to that money? It's going to be gobbled up because it's not really addressing all of the actual problems that are existing, which, of course, is the false curriculum, the lies within, the ideologies that are being pushed on everybody, including teachers and students and administrators themselves. The entire thing, again, is collapsing. And this is just, an, <laughs> again, this is, this is a very sad but typical approach that's being taken in an effort to alleviate uh, this dumpster fire. And it's not going to get better. They continue, however, and make one heck of a admission here. And this comes directly from the U.S. Department of Education. It says the U.S. Department of Education cited uncompetitive teacher pay for high teacher turnover rates and a quote-unquote weak pipeline coming into the profession. Now, why would that be? Because, again, that's a direct admission that teacher education departments are failing. They're failing their students. They're failing the entire profession because, again, they are the beginning of the pipeline. But if you think about education in a circular fashion, it is a pipe that quite literally runs in a circle and feeds into itself. 
So if you have students who are growing up, as you've heard me say, within the K-12 school districts as we know them to be today, or even in the past, and then they enter teacher education programs, they're receiving the same ideologies. They're receiving the same false curriculum. They're receiving the same false messages and time-wasting activities that are actually not increasing literacy by any stretch of the imagination, let alone achievement. So the actual U.S. Department of Education is blaming higher education, but they're one and the same. So the finger-pointing, along with throwing money at the, at the so-called problem, they believe is going to solve this issue. It won't. It just won't. You can't point enough fingers at all of these different avenues because, again, you're pointing fingers in the exact same pipeline that you yourself are in. This, this is unfixable. I love it, frankly. I think it's glorious, but, again, this can't be fixed. It continues, it says, the workforce shortage, which the department said was exacerbated by the coronavirus pandemic, there it is again, our best invisible friend that we get to just beat on and blame, is also slowing down how fast students can recover academically from the impacts of the disrupted learning since March of 2020. Over two years ago, almost two and a half years ago, they're still blaming what they themselves agreed to do as an education apparatus, which they never had to do. Again, these organizations are controlled by the puppet masters at the very, very top. The schools never had to do this. They never had to engage in this. Teachers never had to engage in it. Administrators, you name it. But unfortunately, they lock the doors on everybody, or fortunately, they locked the doors on everybody, and it forced individuals to make other decisions. It forced families to reorganize themselves. And as you've heard on this show, and I've had numerous people on this show, both as guests and contributors themselves, they've openly admitted that walking away was the best thing that they did, and this entire two and a half years has taught them that walking away has been the healthiest thing for them and their families. It continues here, and it says, additionally, the Biden administration noted in a fact sheet that the quality programs are needed to make it easier and cheaper for teachers from diverse backgrounds to get into the profession. So now it's a race problem. We can't have all, the reason that the, that the education apparatus is failing is because of all of these white people. It's all of the white people within the profession that are the problem. We need more minorities because that will fix it, so they say. It continues, it says students need, quote, qualified teachers who are prepared to teach them and who reflect the diversity of our students. Teachers need affordable pathways into the profession, quote unquote, the fact sheet states. To that end, the Department of Labor has earmarked $100 million in apprenticeship grants to provide support for states and other partners to begin teaching apprenticeship programs that will allow people, including teacher assistants, to earn while they learn. Translation. They're going to be 100% fine hiring illegals and illegal aliens to become the teachers of children within public schools because Americans don't want to do it. This is something that has been going on for a very long time, and now they're openly admitting it without openly admitting it. But that's what that means. 
It's one of many things, but that's certainly one of the avenues. It continues, it says, the teacher apprenticeship program is aimed at allowing these individuals a more affordable pathway, quote unquote, to becoming a teacher and offers a chance to gain robust experience in the classroom before they lead their own according to the fact sheet. Again, this is an open admission that what teacher education programs are doing isn't working. So government itself believes that they can just control it and that they'll do it better. Now, when was the last time you heard of government controlling something and doing it better? It continues, and it says teacher apprenticeships. Here we go. Secretary of Labor, Marty Walsh, said Wednesday that he and Education Secretary Miguel Cardona have encouraged governors and district leadership leaders rather to fund the apprenticeships from the $130 billion in the ARP earmarked for K-12 schools. Quote, too many schools struggle to fill vacancies for qualified teachers and other critical school professionals like bus drivers, nurses, and mental health professionals. Addressing this issue is critical to our communities and future, Walsh said on Twitter. Walsh said he wants, to fund, he wants the funds to go toward paying teachers a livable and competitive wage and to adding programs that prepare and support teachers for their jobs. Students need qualified teachers. Teachers need affordable pathways into the profession, Walsh said. Walsh said that unions and state organizations are expanding registered teacher apprenticeship programs, teaching residencies, and quote-unquote grow-your-own programs in a, bid to, in a bid to achieve the goal. I gotta tell you, this is a dead horse and just a washcloth that I have wrung dry time and time again. And if you're hearing this and you're saying to yourself, this doesn't sound new, Sean's brought this up on the show millions of times. He's pointed out how this is a failing program. There's no way that this will work. And ladies and gentlemen, Pat yourself on the back because you're ahead of the curve. You're ahead of the curve. You know that this is failing. You know that all of these patch jobs will not work. The grow your own programs fail. They fail. There is no correlation that can be made between a grow your own teacher education program at the K-12 level that the K-12 districts themselves create as a workaround for individuals who don't have a bachelor's degree in education and have never student taught formally through the university system, and actual teacher retention. There's no comparison between the two, and they haven't compared the two, because it doesn't matter where they get the degree, the teacher turnover rate is remarkably high. And the reason that money never works, higher pay, whatever it may be, is ultimately the individual in their own soul is not driven by money. You can make a person so miserable and pay them more and more and more on a daily basis that once they become so miserable with what they're seeing within the environment and what they're personally experiencing, they won't care about money anymore. It could even be an individual who once lived their entire life or their whole career believing that money was the root of all happiness. As we know here, that is not the case. 
I've had money before, and I've had absolutely nothing. And I can tell you that money has nothing to do with happiness. Not a thing. But this is what government believes. Government is trying to tell people that more money, in particular for minority teachers, is going to solve the problem. That's like, again, throwing hamburgers at the problem and saying hamburgers will fix this. What we need are more hamburgers. It makes no sense whatsoever. This wraps up and continues, unfortunately, and it says the following, quote, Talent recruitment companies and job platforms like Indeed, Handshake, and ZipRecruiter are also getting involved. Indeed will launch virtual hiring fairs and ZipRecruiter will allow job postings for free. Handshake will, will host a nationwide virtual event to help undergraduate students learn about pathways into teaching. Oh my God. This is so funny because they even believe that undergraduates who aren't in teacher education as a major will want to be school teachers. That's ludicrous. If an individual is receiving a business degree, a management degree, an engineering degree, they are not going to find themselves into a K-12 school district unless they consider it to be a last resort to keep a, uh, a roof over their head and food in their mouths. That's about how that works. Uh, it wraps up and says, quote, the $130 billion in President Joe Biden's American Rescue Plan directed to the nation's K-12 schools have allowed school districts across the country to invest in teacher pipeline programs, increase compensation for teachers, and hire more professionals across the education workforce, the fact sheet states. The Biden administration says that funding from the ARP has been used to hire social workers, school counselors, and school nurses, unquote. All of which, I might add, are what you would need if you have students who are in trouble, students who are in legal perils, students who are in behavioral uh, dire straits of some kind, and students who are in health peril. Of some kind. Again, it's sick care. The American K 12 system is sick care, much like the medical system in this country is sick care. It's not health care. It's just not health care, and it's not knowledge acquisition. It's indoctrination, brainwashing, but don't worry. We'll throw money at the problem and have backdoor plans and backdoor policies to get more people within these buildings, and that will solve the problem. They could not be more wrong. And it's, not, it's just not going to work. I smile and I chuckle at this because it's embarrassing. It's just embarrassing. When government touches something, it turns to dust. Now government isn't touching this with one finger. They're putting their entire palms all over this gross thing that they call American K-12 public education with this money and this influence, and they think it's going to work. It will not. It will fail. This is the next thing here that I wanted to bring up, and I thought that this is rather interesting, a little bit of international news here regarding education. You've heard me in the past bring up the 
LGBT alphabet soup nonsense agenda that that continues to roll out throughout American curriculum. And I I fully understand what I've said in the past, and I'm standing by that, except this has been kicked into fifth gear. What I've said in the past is is that I'm tired of talking about this. I'm tired of bringing this up because this is a a bit like just low-hanging fruit. Anybody can comment on this, again, like the Chris Rufos and this, that, and the other. They can bring up all of this stuff and the libs of TikTok and, and everything. I see this differently, however, and, and I think that this is one of those things that is not only kicking into high gear, this is one of those things where the left and the Bolsheviks in this country fully understand that this is one of the last cards that they have to play. They played it early, this, again, th- this giant gay perversion agenda. On American schools, they've they've thrust it as hard as they possibly can within these systems early on because they wanted to sort of test the waters. But I don't think they're that smart. I don't think that they used it sort of as a focus group at the beginning to sort of see whether or not people liked it or not. I think that they just did it to see what would stick, and then whatever doesn't stick, they're going to come back later. And they're going to do whatever they have to do to try to infiltrate these organizations and these K-12 schools as much as humanly possible and normalize this. And we know that they're trying to do that. This international story, though, again, uh, is, is certainly related to something that I brought up on Jesse James's podcast, which, again, he and Outcast were kind enough to have me on the Dangerous Info podcast, their last episode. I highly recommend checking that out. But I brought this specifically up because. This is just one of those things, again, where it's pedal to the metal. And I don't think that the left sees a way out, and now they have to do whatever they can to push this alphabet soup agenda down everyone's throat as much as humanly possible. And they're not backing away from this. So much so that governments themselves are prosecuting individuals for not going along with it. And this comes from Ireland specifically. And it's titled the following. This is from uh, RTE. And it's titled, Teacher Committed to Mount Joy Prison for Contempt of Court. This is by Orla O'Donnell, Legal Affairs Correspondent. It says the following. Secondary school teacher Enoch Burke has been sent to prison for breaching a high court order. Judge Michael Quinn said he was satisfied Burke was guilty of contempt of court by disobeying an order made by the court last week. Burke's school, Wilson Hospital in Multiferrum, if I'm saying that right, uh, County Westmeath, no chance I'm getting any of this correct, my apologies, was granted an injunction preventing Burke from attending or attempting to teach after he was suspended pending an outcome of a disciplinary process. Burke told the court that he could not comply with the order as it would be in violation of his conscience. The court heard a disciplinary process was commenced after Burke publicly confronted the then principal to voice his opposition to a request to call a student a new name and use the they pronoun. They, quote unquote. The judge said his concern was not with the fundamentals of the fundamentals of his positions adopted by the parties. He was concerned only with the breach of the order made by the court. 
He said that he was satisfied that Burke was in contempt of court by breaching the injunction and committed him to Mount Joy Prison until he purges his contempt or until further order of the court. He was, Burke was offered some time to contemplate the order, but he said he could not purge his contempt by holding his Christian beliefs in contempt. And a short time ago, he was led away to a Garda van to be taken to Mount Joy Prison. On Friday, the school was granted an order directing Gardai to arrest Burke and bring him before the high court after the judge was told Burke was on the premises sitting in an empty classroom. Burke was arrested this morning at Wilson Hospital School following an order by the court last Friday. It goes on and on and on. It's a rather long article. I'm going to stop it there. The point is, again, it, it can't be more obvious that they are pushing this agenda in multiple countries, not, the, not just the United States, but certainly in Ireland. And you can, you can guarantee they're doing it in Germany and in uh, numerous other European countries, and if not the UK itself. But here in the United States, the brazen behavior of the left is doing whatever they can to normalize all of this and then actually encourage schools themselves to discipline teachers for not following along with this. They don't care that it's illegal. This is 100% illegal. Schools cannot do this. You cannot discipline teachers or even students for not using these pretend words that people want to be called or addressed as. Endless court cases have existed, and endless school districts and individuals who work within themselves have lost these lawsuits in the, in the tune of tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars, as a result of not wanting to play along with this because we have First Amendment rights. And again, I brought up a lot of this on the Dangerous Info podcast, but there's also, again, just to refresh everybody's mind, there was that story from Shawnee State University, if I'm not mistaken, in South Central Ohio, where, again, years ago, a professor was, was cut loose because he wouldn't play ball regarding all of this LGBT pronoun agenda. And the university cut him loose. Well, that professor won in court. A lot of money. But the left doesn't care because the left is assuming that these individuals who won't play ball aren't going to lawyer up, let alone know that there's already legal precedent regarding the First Amendment in endless cases that you cannot do this. Remember the Oberlin College story that I brought up where Oberlin College themselves was engaging in these defamatory tactics against an ice cream shop that had existed in the town and was family run for decades. And what did they do? They all gathered outside with the, again, full support of the college themselves, calling them racist because they wouldn't bake a gay cake or something along those lines. Again, Oberlin College had to pay these individuals, this family who owns the bakery, Gibson's Bakery, if I'm not mistaken or Gibson's Cakes, something along those lines, if memory serves, uh, in the tune of tens of millions of dollars. 
tens of millions of dollars. Again, the, the the number 90 is in my head that it was like 90 million or 60 million or something like that. These universities and colleges don't have this money. But they aren't learning because they're deranged. They're double triple jabbed and they're full blown deranged. They're doing what the leftist puppet masters, so to speak, would have them do. And they're not learning from their previous mistakes. But fortunately, here in Ohio, as again I brought up on the Dangerous Info podcast, have passed a law where basically they are specifically reminding colleges and universities you cannot stifle free speech on your campuses. You cannot do it. It's completely against the law. This is, however, this, this brings up a larger problem, which you've heard me mention in the past. They're creating laws on top of already existing laws that are supposed to be followed by everybody all the time. The First Amendment exists. It's the law of the land, allegedly. As a result, why would you have to make another law on top of the First Amendment that states that free speech is a real thing and you cannot squash it? Because if you do, you're in violation of the First Amendment. It's like all these Second Amendment laws on top of the Second Amendment. It drives me up the wall. What's so hard for shall not be infringed to be understood by people? What is it that they don't get? Just like freedom of speech here in the United States. What is it that they don't understand? So, again, this is the brazen behavior of the left, um, even internationally. Again, I feel terrible for this person, but they're, you know, this, this Burke individual in Ireland, but they're sticking to their guns and God bless them for doing it because they're 100% right. They're not going to play the pretend name game that the leftist Bolsheviks want individuals to play because it's ludicrous, it's pretend, it's make-believe, and it's made up. When we start playing the games of the insane, what does that make us? It makes us insane. And this is just one example of a person who is not insane and will not play that game. And again, God bless him for doing it. God bless him. Now, here's the next story. And this, of course, has to do with Muriel Bowser, the alleged accessory to murder of Seth Rich, mayor of Washington, D.C., wants all of the school children in Washington, D.C. to be vaccinated and certainly by. January, this upcoming January, or else they will be cut off of school completely. Now, I mentioned this in the past, and it was my understanding that a judge ruled that she can't do this, but it seems that they're pushing forward anyway, at least based on this current article here from Natural News, which was from Monday. It says the following, Wuhan coronavirus COVID-19 vaccines are still being forced on children in the nation's capital who will not be allowed to attend public school this fall unless they get their Fauci ouchie. It says the following, Mayor Muriel Bowser of Washington, D.C., which is comprised of mostly black children within its school system, announced that unvaccinated students will be banned from both the classroom and from remote learning by January 3rd of 2023. Unless a child shows proof of injection within that time frame, he or she will be forced to the back of the education bus, so to speak. And then it says related, 
Earlier this year, Bowser asked D.C. residents to voluntarily ration their food purchases to help the supply chain. According to official city data, nearly half of all black children aged 12 to 17 are unvaccinated, which means they are going to, there are going to be a lot of black children in D.C. who will be kicked out of the classroom and forced into the streets or onto the streets, I guess. Uh, it continues, it says they will go to school on Monday, Bowser said, but they need to get their vaccinations and their families will be alerted as to the dates. The Office of the State Superintendent of Education for D.C. announced that all students will need to show their JAB certificate by January 3rd of the new year, or they will not be allowed to attend school or school activities until the immunization certification is secured by the school. If the student does not come into compliance within a 20-school-day period, the school must remove the student from school until the immunization certification is secured by the school, the office said, citing the original 20-day plan that has now been postponed to early next year. I believe it's been postponed because a judge got a hold of it and said, what on earth are you doing? You can't possibly do this. Again, this is emergency use authorization of a bioweapon. They're purposefully trying to kill all of these individuals. This is a knowing activity now. This, we're, we're, this is, I mean, this is it, okay? This is knowingly. You cannot avoid the facts of these jabs. They're killing people who take them immediately and then years after the fact. They want them dead. And this right here is next to unbelievable, although it's not because it's been going on for the last year and a half now. Do this or else. Take the jabs or else. Now, of course, what are they doing? We want you to come to our terrible school systems fully jabbed with something that's going to sterilize you permanently, make you barren, and kill you. And if you don't do that and inject this into your body, well, you can't attend our terrible indoctrination schools. Gee, what a choice to make. The choices are so tough here, I have no idea which to pick. Again, these individuals who have no idea that Online homeschooling exists is astounding to me. And yes, I fully understand that a lot of individuals believe that they cannot afford online homeschooling, that they don't have the technology, the resources, etc. I know that that's a thing. I fully understand that. What I also know is that you almost don't even need at home wireless internet, you need a laptop computer which one can be purchased for less than $1,000, even thrown on a credit card. And then you can have that child go into a wireless environment like a public library, use the wireless environment to do their schoolwork. I can't think of a better environment, frankly. It's quiet, hopefully. You have wireless internet and you're surrounded by books. I mean, what an educational nightmare that must be. Being sarcastic, of course. I mean, it's, it's, it, it can't be a healthier, more quiet, sound environment to learn in. And in, in particular, the way that many libraries are, are designed today, assuming, of course, that some drag queen isn't going to be giving them a lap dance in the middle of their instruction. 
but they can manage their own time and and learn that way. So again, these statistics that these families and, and these individuals will consistently throw out when they say, well, this percentage of homes don't have wireless at-home internet. Okay, go somewhere where there is internet. And there are, there are libraries all throughout DC. Again, I'm not saying it's easy with every, you know, for everyone, transportation, etc. But there are other options. You just have to think outside of the box. This nightmarish article continues, and it says, quote, When asked specifically about remote learning for unvaccinated children, Bowser struck down the notion by declaring that we're, quote, not offering remote learning for children, and families will need to comply with what is necessary to come to school. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the world's deadliest game of chicken that I've ever heard of in my life. They're playing chicken with children's lives here. And all these families have to do and all these children have to do is not comply. That's it. They're not going to jail all of these children for noncompliance. They're not going to put them into juvenile detention for truancy. They aren't going to do that. There are other options. Government is putting their boot on the face of these families and these children. That's exactly what this is. It can't get clearer. Come here again and do what we tell you to do with the deadly poison coursing through your veins, or else. Or else what? It continues, it says, as of writing this, 47% of black children aged 12 to 15 within the district have not received any Fauci flu shots. In the 16 to 17 age demographic, about 42% are unvaccinated. Well, that's the 42% that's going to survive. In an August 25 press release, D.C. Public Schools explained that the coronavirus immunization for school students and Early Childhood Workers Amendment Act of 2021, which the council passed the same year, requires all children to roll up their sleeves in order to get an education. Oh, they're going to get an education, all right including those who attend private school, it says. Not only do the students have to be jabbed in order to learn, but they also need to provide proof of a negative COVID-19 test result before the start of the school year. The school year, the school district added rather. It will give students an excuse not to attend school in the January enforcement of the vaccine, wrote a commentator. This will not help the already low attendance and graduation rates in the D.C. area. No kidding. They continued and said, well, D.C. schools are so bad that maybe staying at home is a better option, responded another, present, responded another presenting a silver lining in this dire situation. I mean, the schools that are bad, quote unquote. Someone else said, that if he lived in D.C., he would be filing a lawsuit against the district for a property tax exemption on the portion that covers public school funding. You don't even have to go that far. You don't even have to go that far. Just pull them out. That's all. Walk away. If government says jump, you say no, and you turn your back on them and you walk away. It's that simple. It says, quote, since the CDC has determined that there is no difference between jabbed and unjabbed people, why, oh, why would anyone continue sticking themselves? 
added another to the conversation, let alone their children that have no real effects from the Kung flu. Unquote. Ladies and gentlemen, I have to tell you this. I'm exhausted. I'm absolutely exhausted. This is exhausting me. On a day-in and day-out basis, the enemy is showing their hand here, and yet the brainwashing is so thick that people are actually complying with what I just read. And people will comply. They will quite literally kill their own children in an effort to send them to an education system that's going to get them killed with the false information and indoctrination anyway. It's that meme of seemingly two separate tunnels that look like you're picking two separate things or making two separate decisions, and yet on the other side of both of those tunnels is just the same tunnel. It's the illusion of choice here. There's no choice to be made. The choice is clear. Send them again to this institution where they'll die, or keep them alive for a very long time and give them other options where heaven, you know, heaven forbid they actually think as an individual on their own. Blows me away. It blows me away that the mainstream media isn't consistently bringing this up. If, and again, if people can't see this for the genocide that it is, then they've already participated in it, which means they're already the victim of it, whether they know it or not. Speaking of that, along the jab-related avenue here, <clears throat> excuse me, and I'll continue because it, uh, it's not getting better with these quote-unquote student-athletes that are uh, becoming remarkably ill and even dropping dead. This was tossed to me by Cicely from New Mexico, and it's titled, New Mexico Teams Rally for Hospitalized Football Player. It says an Oregon Mountain football player Thursday celebrate the players Thursday rather celebrate their win during a game on Thursday, September 1st at the Field Dreams in Las Cruces, New Mexico. Abraham Romero, the Oregon Mountain High School football player who collapsed on the field during an August 26th game, remains in a medically induced coma. It's probably not because he was overworking himself on the field or became exhausted from drinking too much Gatorade. I'm certain that's not it. We know what this is about. And again, this was from the Associated Press, ultimately. But isn't it interesting that they're not bringing up any of this? How unfortunate it is. It was an unforeseen health issue. I can't believe this is happening. What a surprise. Next story, and then they're right on to the very next thing. It's incredible. Absolutely incredible. Um, that brings me to this, which is back to the education avenue. And this was something that I think is very interesting. In fact, it got the wheels turning in my mind as to why this might happen. But a guest who I had on the program by the name of Steve, and he's been on SGT Report and a number of other shows, listens to the podcast and, and contributes from time to time, and I greatly appreciate it. He and his wife have decided to move from Ohio and ultimately homeschool their children, which is an exquisite idea. 
and God bless him for doing it. He sent me a text message the other day that I thought was very interesting. And again, it, it got me thinking. He said that a friend of his texted him who still attends a K-12 public school system. And he said that during this open house, so to speak, the administrator was pressing the parents to tell the administration and the teachers as much as humanly possible about their children. And again, I wasn't there, of course, so I certainly don't know the entire context. But he said that his friend thought that it was rather odd that an administrator would be so adamant about wanting to know all of the ins and outs of what goes on with these parents' children, and why on earth would the school want to know such a thing? Honestly, I I thought about it for less than 60 seconds, and my first initial reaction to that was, if you take the low enrollment that exists in American K-12 schools, you combine that with a lack of money that's filtering into these systems. What is it that administrators in school districts can do to increase the cash flow from the state level when it comes to the students that are still attending these buildings and are already there? And the immediate answer I came up with is, is you have to do whatever you can to convince parents that their own child is a special education child. Because if you can label and categorize, legally speaking, on actual legal documentation that the school district possesses, that a child is special education, then that means that the school district is going to receive more money. That, of course, means that those special education classes are going to increase. But what have you heard on this show also? You've also heard me bring up that endless K-12 school districts in particular teacher education programs, are constantly commenting about how the students coming out of these teacher education programs are not certified in special education and that they want more teachers to be certified in special education. They want them to have formal certification that says they can teach special ed. At the same time, however, you have teacher education professors who are pushing special education certification on their students. Now, why are they doing that? They can get more money from the undergraduates also because, again, they're they're potentially in school just a little bit longer, seeking out special education certification. But could it be that American K-12 schools want more special education teachers because they're planning on reevaluating the parameters that define what special education actually is in an effort to get more money because less students are showing up. Do you see this long scheme that is at play here? This is totally conceivable to me, beyond plausible. I mean, this is a high probability that this is the motive here. Again, there could be other motives. As, as I told Steve in a response, I said, what I just explained there is certainly one major motive that could be taking place. The other is that 
they don't, as a school district, they don't want to be surprised with particular behavior or any medical issues. And so the school wants to know all of these things. I wouldn't go so far as to say that it's data mining and that they want as much data on these students as humanly possible. I know that that happens and that's clearly a thing. But I think there's a more nefarious hidden agenda here that administrators clearly are not going to divulge. Because as I've even brought up and told countless stories about here on this show, once you get a student on special education paperwork, it is next to impossible to get them off of it. Why is that the case? Because there's a giant price tag attached to their ear now, where they know as a school system that they're going to receive more money because they have more special education students under their roof. And they don't want that cattle to get away. They don't want that price tag to come off of that, of that cow, that cash cow, so to speak. They need that tag on there from K through 12. Because if they do, again, they've got them right where they want them. Which then begs the further question, which I <clears throat> alluded to again on the Dangerous Info podcast, is that if you take a 30,000-foot view, not just of the current situation, but further down the line, and you can project further down the line and make some predictions as to what's going to occur, it is within the realm of a possibility that American K-12 schools will solely be teaching those that are categorized as special education. There's already a giant dividing line that has been existing in education for, in K-12 education for the purposes of money. Talented and gifted on one side, which are, again, typically the straight-A students, the overachievers, so to speak, the parents who push their kids. You know, They want their children to be, quote-unquote, challenged in the classroom because the mainstream classes aren't cutting it for them, so they think. And then on the other end of that radical spectrum, you have special education. Now, both of those avenues are moneymakers. More talented and gifted, more money. More special education, more money, which means they're not really making much on the mainstream, quote-unquote, average students who are doing enough to get by and, and succeeding and doing just fine. They need paperwork on these students in one avenue or another to keep the money flow and the revenue coming in. Their only other option, which is coming up this November, are school levies. And it would be asinine for anybody to vote for these. Doesn't matter your involvement. You're voting to raise your own taxes. But Sean, it's only $25 a month and we can afford that and it's worth it because we love the school system and we need it. You won't be saying that when you don't have children in the system anymore and they keep raising your taxes. Then what? Then what? Then you're going to start voting against it. And then you're going to start seeing things from our perspective. Again, this failing system is, is, is crumbling, of course, but it cannot be discounted the different nefarious actions that these districts are going to engage in in order to keep this sinking boat afloat. They have to do that. They have to try anyway. And I think they're trying, and this might be one of those avenues that I just described. 
more paperwork, more special education certification among teachers. That way, if you come in and you think that you're just going to be teaching mainstream math, jokes on you, you're going to be teaching special education math. Not that your students are going to be actual special education students per se, where something is wrong or they have a behavioral issue or a learning disability or whatever. You're just going to be categorized that way because you yourself as a teacher are also going to have money attached to you from a district standpoint because, again, you're there to bolster all of their special education students so that that revenue and that money flow just keeps rolling in. But it's not going to matter. Long term, it will not matter. Again, their patch jobs won't work. Throwing money at it won't work. Manipulating the system in front of parents' eyes won't work. Government intervention is not going to work. I'm just going to continue to comment on this because that's all I can do. All I can do is continue to bring up these giant flaming arrow red flags, buoys in the water that are obvious as to why the system is crumbling and how their alleged solutions created by the very system themselves, will not solve any of this. It just won't. The only way, and I've never really said this, but the only way that American K-12 schools can continue in the future is if they completely abandon everything that they have done in the past, and I mean everything. They have to do away with all of it. The sports, the games, the gimmicks, the plays, the dancing, the nonsense. They, they have to stop all of it. It has to get back to very basic reading, writing, arithmetic. Again, as Jesse James brought up on his show when, during our discussion, cursive writing. Teaching them to write cursive. Editing papers. Learning the English language fluently. Get rid of foreign language completely. Remove it. Why are we teaching American children Chinese in three levels of Spanish? They can't speak the English language fluently. This is our native tongue. This is what we're supposed to know. You have to remove all of it, but you can't, can you? You can't do that. Because government above them at the state level requires it. Which means what for the K-12 school system at the local level? They're screwed. They're completely screwed. If you don't have politicians at the state level abandoning everything and starting over from scratch, you're driving this truck off a cliff. And it's already off a cliff. It's just in free fall. And those of us are having to watch it, are watching it. The problem is, is there are endless people still inside the truck and they have no idea that they're falling to the ground. That's about it. I mean, <laughs> I don't know what else to say. But I thought that was an interesting avenue and an interesting question that an administrator would bring up in a school. Again, I think that that scenario that I just laid out is totally plausible. Assuming, again, having not been in the room, that that's possibly what, what, what's at play here. But never underestimate the enemy. 
I think, is the overall scheme there and certainly something to learn from. And then, of course, you add in all of the jab talk and all of the jab implementation and how they're even blind on that issue. Once that continues to roll down, and we're sitting here staring at arguably the majority of the education profession being jabbed, again, who on earth is going to work in these buildings? Who's going to do it? I'm telling you what, in the next five plus years, I'd be shocked if every single school district that exists in the United States right now doesn't have at least half of their buildings closed permanently. I'd be shocked if that wasn't the case. So that's going to be a long-term thing. Again, 30,000-foot view, long down the line here, but I would be shocked if that's not the case. I know it's horrific to think about loss of life, et cetera, et cetera, but I just think that that's something that's going to happen. Uh, I do want to play two pieces of audio here to wrap this up. One comes from Fox News, where Ron DeSantis is is being questioned uh, and and being asked to discuss, basically, again, some of his tactics and motives regarding the schools in, in Florida. And I want to bounce in and out of this audio and make a few comments along the way. So here's Ron DeSantis on Fox News. Give this a listen. Governor, we knew school closings during COVID were devastating, but this national test results, uh, it, this report card shows that the pandemic erased two decades of progress in math and reading. Democrats are now trying to blame Republicans, which we'll get to a bit later in the show. But I have to ask you, you took a lot of criticism for reopening those schools early in Florida. What is your message tonight for those trying to blame you and Trump for these educational setbacks? Well, first of all, the pandemic didn't cause those setbacks. Lockdown policies of Democrat governors, Anthony Fauci, uh, national teachers unions who wanted schools closed, they are the ones that caused that. In Florida, we said you have a right to be in school and you need to be in school. And we've done much better as a result. But it wasn't the pandemic because all it required was leadership to say we need to keep kids in school. And those Democrats and those unions and the left and Fauci, they chose ideology over what was right for those kids. And the damage is going to be lasting regardless of what Fauci wants to tell you. And he's right. Ron DeSantis is right. Again, Ron DeSantis is a politician. I'm not a fan of politicians. You know, I don't know the man personally, but he's right. He's right on that issue. This invisible enemy that they just blame as being the pandemic. No, this was a human being decision that was made by, well, monsters, frankly. But it was designed again as a backwards tactic in an attempt to brainwash families into believing that they need K-12 education, that they need the K-12 apparatus in their lives as families and as a society. And if they don't have it, well, here are the consequences of what happens if you don't have it. Meanwhile, as you've heard me say in the past a million times, out in the distance are all the homeschooling families laughing their tails off at all of the people that are bowing down to government and jumping when government says jump. So that continues to be the bigger problem here, is that even the likes of Fox News, which they're an absolute abomination because they're responsible for the jab rollout and 
the indoctrination of American education and getting people to believe that they need it, that they need, you know, the, again, the, the K-12 system and brick and mortar colleges and universities, that these, of course, have to exist within everyone's family. And oh, by the way, if they don't, then there's something wrong with you. Again, that kind of mentality is remarkably dangerous, but that's the power of brainwashing. And it worked. But it didn't work for many. A lot of people were so angry with the school closures and the forced mask wearing and all of that, if you recall, and I know that you do, that they walked away from the entire system. And I have yet, even to this day, to meet a single person or hear from a single person who left the K-12 school system and regrets it. Haven't met this person yet. Still haven't met them. I'm trying, trying to find them. Still can't find these people. It's incredible. I get some great emails from parents, again, and they say the same things. We pulled our children out, best decision we've ever made. I never get an email that goes, you know what? Pulling my kids out of K-12 education at the brick and mortar level was arguably the worst thing we've ever done. Horrible decision. Uh, Our child is bouncing off the walls. They're absolutely uncontrollable. They're learning less, and I'm certain that they're getting dumber by the day. I haven't heard that yet. Still haven't heard it. In fact, that leads me to this, which is another piece of audio I wanted to play. And this was from a story that I brought up a long time ago, but it had to do with Pennsylvania and how a Pennsylvania school district back in the spring had put off allowing their buildings within their district or a building within their district to host a satanic club, teaching children about, again, Satanism. Um, Here's a local audio, and apparently the Satan Club is back on, and the school district in Pennsylvania is allowing this to take place. So give this a listen. Students heading back to school at Northern York High School in Dillsburg will have an option to attend an event hosted by the Satanic Temple. It's an event that was approved by the Northern York County School District after previously voting against having the organization host a club in their schools. Box 43's Matt Kleinist has more. On Tuesday, Northern York County School District officials gave the green light for the Satanic Temple to host an event at the high school. The event is a back-to-school night for the after-school Satan Club. We know people have assumptions about what Satanism is and that those assumptions are almost universally wrong. Lucian Greaves is the co-founder of the Satanic Temple. The scheduling of the Satanic event comes a few days after Northern York hosted a prayer night by the Christian-affiliated Dillsburg Community Worship and Prayer. Grief says congregants at the Satanic Temple should have similar access to school facilities. We don't decry or begrudge anybody having a prayer event or anything like that. It does become a problem, a serious problem, when you allow back-to-school prayer event, but you don't allow any other religious representation. The Satanic Temple first sought approval of an after-school Satan club at a Northern York school back in April, but the school board shot it down at the time. The event drew widespread condemnation from parents. They already took, you know, God out of schools, but now they're going to allow Satan in. It's just crazy. Anything that has to deal with uh, worshiping Satan is... uh, 
Bad news. Grief says parents should view the event as people expressing their right of religious freedom. We're talking about upholding fundamental pillars of democracy in the First Amendment. Northern York County School District released a statement about the event, saying that it doesn't endorse the activity of outside organizations that rent the facilities. Matt Clondon's Fox 43 News. It's not about religious freedom. It's not about the First Amendment. That's not what it is. It's not, well, they had a prayer meeting for Jesus Christ one day, so a Satan club is now allowed to take place within the same school district, within the same school, because, you know, religious freedom. No. This is because members of the school board allowed it. It's not some invisible phenomenon that just takes place and boom, bam, the policy is there. These are human beings making these decisions and implementing this. Again, these parents complaining about it and still sending their children boggles the mind. It just bends my mind in multiple directions. Why on earth would they continue to send their children to these environments? The moment that that happened, that should be your indicator that this is a slippery slope and that the people who are in charge are not interested in your child's well-being. Yes, it's an after-school program. I fully get that. Still has no place on school grounds whatsoever. None. Zero. But once these satanic groups, so to speak, and these individual, individuals that worship Satan, once they start doing this and they make these inroads, I'm telling you, you give them an inch, they'll take a mile. The next thing you'll know They'll find them, they will find themselves at the state level talking to legislators, doing what they can to make it commonplace that school districts have to offer this kind of thing on their property. And then what? What then? Again, the giant theme here for me is that it's all about brainwashing, but ultimately an individual or a family simply, well, not simply, but certainly learning to change their entire mind frame and dimension of thinking and wavelength. This has to happen for the safety of future generations and current generations. It has to happen because you'll consistently hear of parents saying, well, a lot of people are complaining about the education system, but they're not providing any solutions. Ladies and gentlemen, this show is all about solutions, and the largest solution is waking up to the realities of what goes on in the world that we live in. Of course, here with this show, it's education, medical, etc. And then, of course, acting on all of that. Then you have to act on it. You can't just learn information and then not act on it. You have to act on it eventually. And self-governance, walking away, non-compliance, and a complete abandonment of the system as you know it is the solution. But it has to be one step at a time. It just has to be one step at a time. As I was recording this, actually, Jesse James tossed me a text message from the Dangerous Info podcast again. And he said... An individual texted him and said that they were looking forward to listening to the episode and that they hope that solutions are provided because, again, a lot of parents 
are sending their children to schools because they have nowhere else to send them. That right there, that comment, again, from, from that listener, proves my point, that they themselves aren't changing their mind frame. That if you're using the K-12 apparatus as daycare, you're using it for the wrong reason. Government should never be the daycare of your child. Government should never be the parent. Not ever. So a family and an individual first has to change their mind frame, which means, based on that comment alone, that proves to me that that individual has more to learn about what's really going on within these school systems. Then once you figure out that you've basically got the entire K-12 school system figured out to the best of your ability and the best of your knowledge, then the only avenue you have left to investigate, which you have probably not investigated if you're in that position, is how is it that I can take my child who is fully literate and get them to teach themselves? That requires, of course, an investigation of programs like Abeka.com. They have a YouTube channel with endless videos. I highly recommend them. They have a website where you can read all about the entire program. You can see the different options. There's even an online video option where you pay just a little bit more, maybe a couple extra hundred dollars per year. And then you have access to all of their online materials, including the ability to talk to instructors. But it's also something that's way more important than even this and even, again, any K-12 system. It's getting these children to just enjoy life without staring at a screen all day long. Children need to live their lives. And again, that was a, that was a conversation we had on the Dangerous Info podcast with, with Jesse James and Outcast. is that how many individuals do you see outside playing? How many children do you see consistently outside doing things outside, weather permitting? Or are they staring at a screen all day long, lying on their back? That's not living, and that's not life, and that's not learning either. So it's about changing an entire mind frame from youth all the way through adulthood. And trust me, that's not done overnight. That takes time. But it takes time, dedication, and being open-minded about changing the way that yourself as an individual operates and then you as a family operate. Because again, as I've said, what's on the other side of that hill is greener grass and a bluer sky, the likes of which you can't possibly imagine. And it's going to be beneficial for everyone, both in the short and long term. And again, if you're a parent, you're the one that gets to decide, not the child. So with that said, ladies and gentlemen, I'll catch you on Friday. Take care. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.